Everybody, 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 drop your buff. Stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. It's been a while, but we it's are back. Been a while. It really We're back has. with our recap on yeah. Survivor. We have a new show to recap, and that is The Traders US, available on Peacock, featuring, because we do Survivor adjacent coverage, this one is featuring Sari and Stephanie LaGrosa. Two iconic women of Survivor, two heroes from the Heroes Tribe, gone too soon, both of them. But fear not, because they are back and they are on the Traders US. And Evan, I understand that you just finished the Traders UK. And I want to say, maybe off the bat, this podcast will contain spoilers for the Traders UK. If you have not seen the Traders UK, you need to see it. And so I hesitate to tell people not to listen to our podcast, but like if you haven't watched The Traders UK, I highly recommend pausing this and going to watch 12 hours of TV and then coming back. Concur. Yeah. Because The Traders UK, I discovered back in December, I had seen some tweets about The Traders, and I knew The Traders was the show that Stephanie and Sari were doing, as well as some other reality stars. And I was like, I'm confused. That show's not out yet. And so I did a little digging. Of course, it was the UK version, which the way this worked was the US version filmed back-to-back with the UK version. US filmed first, then UK filmed, but then UK aired first. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's filmed in the same location, majority same challenges, uh, different hosts, different cast, of course, and some slight variation, but more or less, it is the exact same game. Oh, I feel like it's more than slight. Mm, Okay, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll we'll be doing some comparing and contrasting. I think both of us- But I get what you mean. Like, as far as as the templates go, yes, it's more or less the same. Yeah, very familiar. Uh, I mean, there was no Fergus in the UK. But all that to say, very similar shows that we're dealing with. And I didn't have high hopes after uh, seeing how incredible the UK version was. So going back to my point that I was making was that I saw all this chatter about the traders. And then I started seeing articles. I saw this article in The Guardian that said uh, that was something like the traders is prestige reality TV, pristine or something like that. And I started reading this article and it was just like effusively gushing over this show. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to go look at this. And so I did. I completely fell in love as did the rest of the UK. And now it feels like the world, like People are really picking up on this show. They are figuring out how to watch it and they are doing it and they're also falling in love with it. So it was great timing for the US to come out with their version. Uh, I think the biggest difference we have here is that the US version features a cast of 20, 10 of which are reality stars in some way or another, and then 10 of which are normies. So maybe I'll just back up and get some high-level thoughts from you, Evan, on the Traders UK. I was thinking, before you talk, (laughs) I was thinking, (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe for this episode, we can avoid spoilers for the end game of Traders UK, just in case anybody would like to go seek that out, but still maybe has watched US and wants to hear our initial thoughts on US. Okay, so I will not spoil the finale. Um, I would call it prestige slash pristine television. I concur with The Guardian. Um, I have to say credit to you, Sean. You had mentioned that this show was must-see TV to me when you were first watching it. And I always take everything you say very seriously, but I was like, you know, I have a lot of other things on the docket, Uh, and I just was like, I'll get to it. I knew I was going to watch it. And then I started watching it several weeks ago, and I'm like texting you during, being like, I'm enjoying it, I'm gonna keep going, but like, it's not iconography in the way that you were speaking about it. And then I think it was around episode four or five, when the show finally clicks and from there it's just off to the races. So I say that because for anyone that watched these first two episodes of the US and from what I've heard from you, the US has an even slower start than the UK. I would say that I imagine the US version will have that same heel turn that will happen when the players sort of relax into the format of the game a little bit and start to understand I was going to say how to play. There really is no way to play, but like they sort of understand the template of the show a little bit better. So yeah, but on the UK front, absolutely one of the most incredible seasons of reality competition I have ever seen. I would put it up there with some of the best seasons of Survivor and in huge part because of this cast um, who are just stars, so many of them, so robust and have such incredible arcs on the show. And then also just a huge credit to the host, Claudia Winkleman, who is a huge name in the UK, but for many people in the US, they might not have heard of her, who just brings a vibe that I have never experienced in a host before and made the show infinitely more fun to watch. And I just so appreciated her lack of, um, like, there's just a lack of formality to how she hosted that I think just, uh, yeah, not to mention her hair and her clothing and her gloves. And yeah, that's and her all eyeliner. Ancillary. Her eyeliner. But yeah, just a superb uh, reality series. And then not to spoil the ending, but just to say briefly how the show concludes, I'm trying to think of like an equivalent, but it's it's just so hard to stick the landing on a reality show. We talk about this all the time with Survivor, how you in particular talk about the fact that you don't really like finales. And I would say like Borneo is a great, oh, Survivor Australia season one, which by the way, Sean, where are you at with that? Not done, but I'm really close. I only have a handful of episodes left, like four or five. Oh, you've barely even been voice memo. Oh, I guess maybe maybe you were avoiding voice memoing me. Anyway, um... But uh, yeah, I just think that the way this show culminated, like there are just so many instances in which this show uh, was able to stick landings, even on like jumps it didn't even know it was making. So yeah, uh, uh, just five out of five, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I have to wonder because 
I was very nervous coming into the U.S. version, which, by the way, I have finished. So I have seen all of the U.S. version. Evan has seen the first two episodes. I am going to provide spoiler-free recaps as we move forward, of course, because I have no interest in spoiling Evan. I would ask that everybody on Instagram also not spoil the ending. I know many of you have finished it. Uh, I had the ending spoiled for me on our Instagram. Thank you very much. You are now blocked. Uh, <laughs> within it was within 24 hours of it dropping. Like yeah, that no, is not, not right. Get a life, literally. Get a life. Okay, so uh, I so I felt names? like I had to race to the end. What's that? <laughs> I said, do you want to name names? Uh, th- get this. It was some fucking ghost account. It oh, was an account course. with no posts. Didn't even follow us. Oh wow! Didn't even follow us. So I don't know if it's somebody. If if it's one of your accounts out there. Go ahead and unfollow from your main account. You'll be dealt with. <laughs> I will find you and I will banish you. Okay. Or or murder you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but no, I, I'll only banish because I'm 100% faithful. Um, so anyways, I felt like I had to really finish. I had to rush to the end because I... I, I I, it was like enough to to sort of like tell me the direction that this show was going and I didn't want any more information to be spoiled for me. So I completed the entire series. Uh, Can I say something off of that? Yeah, please. Because I did see some people on Twitter uh, complaining about the fact there are people that the US version is the first time they've ever experienced the show. And they've been complaining about the fact that, you know, they let you know who the traitors are from the outset, which is very unfamiliar in a lot of US competition shows. I mean, anything we watch, they always, you know, thinking about the mole, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, you never know who the mole is, you find out along with the players. And this is sort of like, you know, the complete inverse of that. And I saw people complaining online about that. But I think that is one of my favorite things about this show. And to that end, I had the winner. I had a winner of, <laughs> I literally could go either way with what I just said. So that was not a spoiler. Yeah, I had yeah, a yeah. winner or the winner. Who's you, had a, a pe- you had a piece of the outcome spoiled for you. I had a piece of the outcome spoiled for me. And I have to say, it made the last couple, because I think it was like the penultimate, right before the penultimate was when I had it spoiled. And it made it so much more exciting because I was like, how on earth are we going to get here? Mm. And like, I was just, I had no indication of how. So I have to say, well, I, I understand what you're saying with your complaint. I wouldn't want to know the very end. I do think that the, this show is so good that to be spoiled, and maybe you feel differently having been spoiled so early on in the US version, but having been minorly spoiled on the UK, it did not infringe upon my enjoyment whatsoever because this show is doing so many things well that like the who is being murdered, who is being vanished, who's a traitor element is so not inconsequential, but so small when it comes to the myriad aspects of this show that I like. So I just want to add Yes, yes, I I would echo that. I would say that uh, without giving it anything away, and and I'll talk in more detail once we get to the end of the show. What we're going to do is recap, I think, two episodes at a time. We are going to do like a proper recap of this season. I've seen uh, other podcasts sort of like do groups of episodes. We are grouping episodes, but we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to take our time. So I think it deserves it. Uh, But I'll I'll Says the guy who just texted me saying this will only take an hour. (laughs) We'll see. We are 13 (laughs) minutes in already and we haven't talked about it. Uh, But I will say that that I was gagged over and over and over despite knowing 
something about the outcome of the show. And so it did not infringe on my enjoyment of the show. I probably would have been gagged even more, though, if I didn't know what was coming. So try to keep the comments in the Instagram spoiler free, you know, just just be nice to everybody. But 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 ultimately... I blame Peacock for this. I was just going to say. Terrible. This is a terrible way to drop a reality competition show all at once. Like, who is this for? I don't understand this model. It's so frustrating. I also just have so many questions around the casting of this show because I do feel like similarly to the Challenge USA, we're beginning to see the effects of the merging of all of these brands. And so with Peacock, this was an opportunity for them to, you know, bring together uh, particularly the particularly the Bravo world to bring them into the reality competition space. What's confusing about the traders though, well actually maybe not, wasn't the traders originally going to air on Paramount or am I crazy? I think you're crazy. I'm crazy. So I just, I don't understand what Suri and Stephanie are doing here because we have no Big Brother contestants. We have no amazing racers. There's no one else from the CBS world. Like it's so strange that there's not Big Brother players on this. There are Big Brother players on this. Who? Oh, Cody. And Rachel. And Rachel, you're right. I'm crazy. I am crazy. You said it. (laughs) Okay, I'm crazy. So then that's confusing to me. And then also it's like, you only get one housewife in, in the real in Brandy Glanville, which it's like, why not have there be more from that pool? Cause that's by far the most popular reality show. And then you have like Ryan Lochte, who's like not really a reality show person. I know he had a reality show, but he's really like bigger than a reality mm-hmm. star. So it's all just very confusing. Yeah. And agreed. and I do think if you come into this show without the context of these people, the, the the reality stars it's 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 more challenging because I don't know Kate Chastain I don't watch uh, do below you know deck. where she's from below, below deck. deck okay yeah definitely don't watch that and like all of the below deckers that are watching the traders are the ones tweeting being like Queen Kate blah 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 again I've only watched two episodes I don't know this Queen Kate that we speak of she has not emerged. Similarly, I'm on the path of like Queen Brandy because I know what Brandy Glanville is capable of. So when Brandy Glanville comes back from um, the deliberation and says, can I have a glass of wine? I know where that's going. But like to the common viewer, it's just a contestant asking for a glass of wine. So I do think that like, while I enjoy the fact that we hit the ground running, I think it might have either helped to have a full cast of all stars um, or given more explanation as to why we're formatting it in this way. Because I feel like similarly to what happens on fans versus favorite seasons of Survivor, um, the fa- the excuse me, the favorites tend to get targeted. Mm-hmm. So I think that Peacock fumbled this in a few ways. And I can't really blame them. They have this concept, which the concept for the game is is simply a party game. Uh, it's known by multiple names: Mafia, Werewolf. You called it something I'd never heard of. The or, Revenge. Excuse me, The Resistance. The Resistance. Never heard that one. Yes. But it's a it's a common party game. It's a very thin concept. 
a lot of it doesn't make sense, um, at least strategically as a game. And there's a lot of aspects to this game, which we'll probably touch on that that aren't maybe so necessary, like these challenges and, and splitting people up into teams for the challenges. Like there's there's certain things that are just, I think, not super well thought out in terms of the structure of the game. That doesn't really matter to the show. Ultimately, I've, I find either in the UK or the US version, I think both of them, uh, the cast overcomes that challenge and ends up making the show what it is. Uh, but having said that, you kind of have this thing on paper that's like, okay, I don't know if people are really going to vibe with this. It's not quite like as sophisticated a game as a Big Brother or a Survivor, uh, but whatever. It's a franchise. It's been sold. Like p- people are interested in this. Okay. And then they didn't, I think, either they had to lock in their plans or they weren't paying attention to what was going on with the UK franchise, which was that the UK decided to air it on the BBC on a, uh, like a couple episodes per week basis, two or three episodes per week, which is standard format over there. And the, through the process of them airing it on TV, it, spread like wildfire through word of mouth that people were like, you have to watch this show. You have to watch this show to the point that by the time it came finale week, it was the most watched show uh, of the week uh, across all networks, I believe. So it, it really blew up much in the way that like Survivor season one blew up by word of mouth. Uh, so did the Traders UK season one. Now, if, if I was Peacock, I would be taking a look at that and being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We might have a really big hit on our hands. First of all, shit, we didn't put this on NBC. Maybe we should have. Uh, and second of all, oh, maybe so like, we don't need to drop this all at once. Maybe we want to create a word of mouth sort of thing where people are coming to the platform over the course of weeks to check out this thing that people are talking about. So I feel like they fumbled it in that sense. And then I think that they didn't have the confidence in the structure of the game or the actual uh, concept to rely completely on a newbie cast. And so they said, like, let's throw some familiar faces in there just to get people talking, to get the reality world talking, bring those eyes in. But to your point, it's like, then why not do a whole cast of that? Could they not find the people? Could they not get the people? Were they paying appearance fees to these people that they didn't have for 20, a cast of 20? I don't know what the thought process was, but I don't love I don't love it in concept. I don't think it plays out that great, especially in these first two episodes. And like we really get to know no newbies. It's like it's really hard to distinguish some of these people from one another, aside from I think Michael really stands out here or Christian the traitor. Um, I think those are really the only two newbies that really stand out in the, these first couple of episodes. And I feel like there's actually a laziness in the edit of not getting us invested in those people because we already know the reality stars. Also, just some of who they cast is so strange. Like, obviously, we love that Stephanie LaGrosa is on this show, but, like, what is she doing here? Because (laughs) at least in the case of, like, Kyle Cook and Kate Chastain, they're going to bring a huge faction of viewers who love them on their respective shows. Same thing with Brandi Glanville. There's a lot of people that are just going to be like, I want to watch Brandi Glanville's antics on another reality show. People follow housewives i'm among them it's like i was intrigued by so many so many shows over the years that have just so happened to feature uh housewives uh i think back upon uh what was it uh diving with the stars 
I tuned into that to watch the Richard sisters. Yes, I sure did. So I get that. No one is going to be like, oh, I wasn't going to watch the show, but Stephanie LaGrosse is on it. I would even say Suri is a bit of an odd choice in that she is obviously a huge star within the Survivor verse, but you would think they'd maybe want to go for like a Rob Mariano or a Parvati or even like a Sandra, someone who's got a little bit more of a name outside of Survivor. Um, it's just very strange. And then also, when it comes to picking our traders, it's such a bummer to me that they didn't make someone like Brandy or Kate into a trader. They chose to make three people that are very strategic into traders, and I think it would have been really fun and really good TV on top of that to have someone like Brandy who has no idea how reality competition works, let alone how the traders works. It'd be really fun to watch her in that role. It's like they just chose three really competitive people. And I also think Christian's the third trader, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's just such a dumb choice. Like I, I loved all three of the choices in the traders UK. I even, like, initially, I wasn't so sold on Wilf as a trader. And then by the end, again, no spoilers, by the end, I was just like, oh, my God, he is such a dynamic choice. And my God, you know, biting my tongue. So I just think all three of these people, and no disrespect to Suri, who you know I love and who I know so many of our listeners love, I don't think Suri is going to be great on this show. I, I don't think that like Suri is going to stand out in the way that I like her to. I think I like Suri on Survivor. And the last thing I'll say on this monologue about this casting is it's just such a bummer that it's so many young people on the US version. I think part of the thing that made the UK version so great were characters like Faye and Andrea and Amanda and the idea that like these people all came from not only different walks of life, but different experiences. And this cast to me just visually, it's giving the challenge. And I, I need, I wish it was a little bit more of a dynamic cast and people that aren't necessarily the, of the of the fans that are on the show, those 10, you feel like you'd open up a casting book uh, for a reality competition show and you would see all 10 of them. And I wish it was more sort of out of left field people. And I just feel like the US was not able to, to get that with this version. Okay, so I'm holding my tongue because of course I see how this cast plays out uh, throughout the course of the season. I will say, keep the faith. Um, keep the faith. Keep the fay, drop the th. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, pick the th up. Keep the fay and and add the th because look, I, I think you're. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised uh, with. Uh, who emerges as a star, uh, who maybe fades into the background, I think you might be surprised about. I think mm. you might be very surprised about some of the dynamics that emerge. And I'll, I'll say that it's like quite satisfying to watch play out. And uh, uh, like, I, I'm, I'm dying to argue some points with you here, but I'm, I'm not going to because I think everything you're saying is valid as of episode two. So uh, it's, it's very interesting. And I, and I feel like some of our listeners will only be where you are at, and some of our listeners will also be where I am at. And uh, uh, I'm sure that they're going to be screaming at their phones at you. But what's new? Yeah, I was going to okay. say, what's new? <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention, too, which I do, because I do think that one of the fun things about us discussing the show on this podcast is there's a lot of ways in which I think I want to sort of like 
put this show next to Survivor. Um, you know, we are watching this as huge Survivor fans. This is a new show. It's based off of a Dutch show. But I spoke to Aaron from who, who's one of the finalists on uh, the Traders UK, who told me that they had let the UK cast watch some of the Dutch version, but that the Dutch version is much smaller in scope, especially mm. when it came to the challenges. So in many ways, like this is a pretty new show, despite the fact that it is based off of IP. It's a pretty new format. And like you said, it's a party game, but it's never been played kind of in this way, in this way before. And so I was excited to see that play out, this this new this new show, and, and what sort of tropes or things would they take from past shows. I think one of the most successful things about the Traders uh, UK, and this could be the case on US, again, I'm only two episodes in, um, we just didn't get backstories about anyone. We'd get them occasionally. We never saw a single photo or video of people outside the show. I had, I literally said to Billy out loud at one point, I wonder what, I think it was Hannah. I was like, I wonder what Hannah's like career has been like. It says comedian. Totally, it's like, totally. I have no sense of like, you know, is she playing to sold out crowds? Who, who knows? And I, 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 I'm eager to look that up now that I finished. But I realized that something that I, and I've said before about Modern Survivor that I don't like this. I don't like those packages and how much people talk about their lives outside the game. But I I feel that way even more having watched this show in which it's like, I really only know these people in the context of this game. Now that I finished, I'm Googling them and learning so much stuff about them and loving following them on social media. <laughs> Let me tell you. And I think it's something that I wish Survivor would take note of, which is that like you can still get to know people without hearing about who they are outside the game because who they are outside the game will find its way into the game. You know, for so long, it's like Wilf in particular is a great example of someone who like the game broke him down and the real Wilf came out toward the end of the show, finally, despite the fact that, you know, there were inklings of that. So I just really enjoyed uh, on the UK version, and hopefully this will be the case on US as well, um, how little we learned, which is actually contradicting what I was saying about, we need, people need to know who Brandy Glanville is. Maybe, maybe it's like, actually, maybe the fun thing is it's like, everyone's sort of on equal playing ground where it's like, everyone's a no one. Yeah. Yeah. And most of them are no one for me because the only people I know coming into this, like, of course, I know who Brandy Glanville is, but I don't even really know her reputation. Like, I don't really know her housewife's reputation. I know Sari and I know Stephanie and I know Rachel because she was on Snake in the Grass <laughs> with Sari and Stephanie. And I want to talk about that in a bit. But before and we where's move Janelle? too far on, and I truly, where's Janelle? Like, where is Janelle? But maybe season two. I think there's a lot of potential for second seasons here. Oh, uh, yeah. Let, let's let's hang on to that. Because I, I want to talk, let's actually talk about the episodes here. Um, because one of the first things that happens is that Alan Cummings, oh, can we get like a, a high level thought on Alan Cummings versus Claudia Winkleman? Or we don't have to compare them, but. No, we should. Okay. So I'm loving Alan Cummings and I definitely think he like amplifies the just the presence of the show. It legitimizes it, I should say. Like having Alan Cumming there, Alan Cumming is not B-list. Alan Cumming is like very A-list and he is very like committed to the gig. I will say having, I, I was warmer on him after episode one and I cooled a little by episode two, 
because I'll be curious to see how things continue. I really like that Claudia like developed a rapport with the cast, especially toward the end. And I feel like Alan is sort of like so deep in the character that he's playing. I'm not sure that there's as much room for scene work um, as opposed to like monologuing. And I'm curious for like those human moments. Like I think about like, Claudia hugging the finalists in after they completed the final mission um, out of sheer delight, like because she or was just even so happy think of, for them. Think of Claudia during even in an early episode that music challenge when they're running around looking for the ballet, and Claudia pulls Andrea in and goes, "It's the ballet slippers. Like, go get the ballet slippers." Like she cheats for them. In yes, the moment. Yes. Like I love that. Yeah. So I'm I'm really eager to watch Alan's journey, but like. I love that they got him. I Like I said, I just think it, it shows that like, it's kind of the most unexpected part of the show because <laughs> so much of the show feels like they went for like, I mean, again, they got Stephanie LaGrosa. So it's sort of like how many people said no. Um, and in the case of Alan Cumming, it's like, oh, they got their first choice. And I also just think it's a really imaginative choice to have him there. Um, but I will say I do miss Claudia's energy, but I think he is like, if you can't get Claudia, he is the best possible replacement is how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a different, it's different. And I, I appreciate the difference. I think it distinguishes the two franchises from one another. And I think it's important to distinguish them, especially when so much about them is the same. Uh, he is definitely playing a character. I much prefer the Claudia approach, which I think I said on this podcast before you started watching this, that it's very much borrowed from, uh, at least as least as I know it, from the Davina McCall approach to hosting Big Brother UK uh, with a beloved presenter in the UK. And they almost even look alike, uh, but act very, very similar. And I think that Davina was such a big reason as to why people fell in love with Big Brother. And so I really love, love that style of hosting that is so playful. And like, you feel like you feel like the host is also a viewer and is loving the things that you love about the show. And like, that's yeah. infectious, I think. And you know, when you think about it, I know you're coming from the Canadian perspective, but in, from the US side, it's like, we don't really have great presenters here. I have no idea who hosts The Amazing Race. I think about like Tom Bergeron on Dancing with the Stars, no thank you. I think about uh, Julie Chen on Big Brother, no thank you. TJ on The Challenge, no thank you. Wait, I thought you loved TJ. I mean, I enjoy him, but I don't think he's good at the job. It's (laughs) more just like, you know, it's kind of like when you go... you know, cafeteria food, for instance, it's like sometimes it hits the spot. It's not that it's good. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Bobby Bones. Bobby Bones. <laughs> the way I was digging in my brain to come up with that name. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably digging on some island for some prize. Um, but yeah, I just feel like we don't really excel at presenters. So I, I definitely, again, Alan Major, 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 um, yeah. I'm excited that he's there. Yeah. One of Alan's first tasks is to choose the traitors. And of course, he chooses Sari, Cody, and Christian. Let's talk about these choices. We have Sari from Survivor, who felt to me like too obvious of a choice. I was like, if so- I was there and I knew Survivor and I knew who Sari was, 
I would immediately assume that Sari would be a traitor, that production would want Sari to be a traitor, that Sari would want to be a traitor. It felt very, like a very dangerous and reckless choice to me. Absolutely, especially because her whole reputation going back to her first season of Survivor is like, you might think I'm one way, but I'm actually not this way. It's like built into the Sari lore. However, I will say how many of these people in on competing on the show actually know who Suri is because again it's like there's just such a difference between like a Brandy Glanville and a Suri. I just mm-hmm. Suri is super niche and it's like Brandy Glanville is like I don't want to say she's a household name but they're not on the same level of a famous person. Again, Ryan Lochte I'd put in that Brandy Glanville category where it's like most people know who Ryan Lochte is. Suri Fields is not tip of the tongue. Let's talk about Cody from Big Brother, because this is somebody that I don't know. Loser. Really? I mean, textbook game bot. He is just uh, someone who played Big Brother and won. I mean, that, that's really all there is to it. He's not a very interesting character. I think he'll do well on this show. I'm sure if and when he goes home. It's going to be funny talking about this, because you have the... A different perspective than I do. This is just a very weird way for us to do this. I know not, it's not, not it's way. not ideal. I didn't want it to be this way. Well, you blame did, user did, you one four eight well, three. But wait, two. you did choose to watch episodes three through ten. I know, but out of desperation okay, because I was fine. getting spoiled again. I'm that not wasn't that I wasn't think... by the way that was not my only spoiler I received. Oh, okay, okay, I felt like there was a gun to my head. My God. Um. But yeah, I just feel like similarly, exactly what you were saying about Sari, I feel the same way about Cody, which is that like a very expected person. And again, too, it's like you have Sari, who's a survivor finalist. You have Cody, who's a big brother winner. It just seems odd that they would choose one of them, let alone both of them. I thought that was Mm -hmm. a really odd decision. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I think my biggest concern with Cody was exactly what you're saying that it's like so we're gonna pick a survivor and a big brother and we're only gonna have two out of the three be celebrities which makes sense i think it has to be like one or two i think my preference would be one celebrity to normies because it's a lot less expected and i think that everybody on the cast would be looking to the celebrities as potential traders because of why wouldn't you want that as production um, because they're going to be taking up so much of the screen time. They're, you know, they're proven narrators uh, of the show, and you rely so heavily on the traders to narrate what's going on because they're the only people that have all the information in the game. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I feel like, like you said, this was a big missed opportunity to not cast one of the non-competition reality stars. And especially, I feel like they should, I don't love the dynamic of two men and one woman. I think that two women, one man is better. And I don't know why, but I just feel like it is. Agreed. I mean, I think we both know why. (laughs) (laughs) But also on top of that, it's like not only two men, but like two super like machismo-y guys. So it's like I could at least argue the case of like maybe putting up like Cody and like a Reza or something. Although... Mm. I'm very glad that Reza's not a part of this show because Reza plays dirty. For anyone that knows Reza outside of this show, I mean, yeah, Reza is is 
an interesting casting choice. I understand why they wanted him, but I just don't think he is uh, primed for a show like this. But I just think that it's like this other guy with Christian. Christian. It's like, I. this is exactly the kind of like person who, first of all, it seems like someone that was literally taken off of a Survivor casting book. Um, he just seems exactly the, the kind of person that they would cast on Survivor, especially in the 30s. Um, and exactly the kind of person I just don't want to see on my screen, let alone be forced to see every episode. Yeah. And Again. I thought it was interesting in these episodes that it's like, you know, when the traitors first meet in this first episode, that... Both of them are kind of like, yeah, I thought you might be a traitor, Christian. Like, it's, uh, it, it is kind of a classic fans versus favorites, experience versus no experience, uh, unfair dynamic going on. But it's like, I think there are other normies who might have been able to pull this off a little better than Christian. I think the guy's a little, like, dumb, honestly. Oh, I think he's totally like just dumb. the way that he's like spouting off in these episodes and kind of like when confront. I think there's there's a scene where somebody says to him, "So, so who do you think might be a traitor?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, per- like personally, I have, I, I have nobody in mind." It's like that's not believable. Everybody has somebody in mind. And again, it just would have been so fun to make someone like Kate or Brandy into a traitor. It's just such a, all three of them are like super strategic. And I think one of the really fun things about a character like Amanda, for instance, from UK was the idea that like, you get the impression very quickly that like all of this sort of like manipulation is totally out of Amanda, the human being's wheelhouse. And She's not only learning how to do it in real time, but she's learning that she's good at it. Yeah. And that's an arc we've already seen from Sari on Survivor. And so it sort of like feels a little bit like Groundhog's Day here, whereas it'd be really fun for someone like Brandy, who is like super conniving, but never in the context of competition. Like that would be so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So to your earlier point, I do think it's like, we're very primed for a season two, if they sort of, again, I've only seen two episodes of the US, but if they would lean more into like, the pool of reality TV greats, you know, like bring in a Tiffany Pollard, like bring in Mm. some of these heavy hitters. Think about sort of the dynamos they used to get on Celebrity Apprentice. Um, I think they could get that same level of either reality, the top tier reality stars or even B and C list celebrities. I'd love to see Star Jones play the Traders. Oh my God. Imagine a Traders just made up of former View co-hosts. Stop. I can't. (laughs) Well, wait, hold on. Let's go down the rabbit hole real quick. Who are your Traders? (laughs) Who are my Traders? They would have to be Elizabeth Hasselbeck, obviously. Um, I would say uh, Meredith Vieira's, uh, that's too obvious of a choice, right? Too obvious. So I think I would go... Rosie Perez. That's obvious. No, it's not. Really? I don't think Rosie Perez is an obvious choice. It's funny how our brains work because that wasn't the case with Meredith, but when you were thinking of Rosie, that's who I was cycling through as to going back and forth. We're just like both in the same headspace. Because would you say Michelle Collins? I was thinking of Nicole Wallace before Michelle (sighs) Collins. Nicole Wallace would be an incredible traitor. Um, But then I think- Yeah, because I'm trying to pick them from different eras. 
But then part of me is like, and maybe this is obvious, but like part of me thinks you want a joy. I don't think joy could pull it off. I know, but I feel like I could go either way. You know well, what I mean? Also, like, it doesn't, also a, tra- a trader doesn't have to be a good trader. Right. Because I feel like joy would be like so bad, it would be good. <laughs> like she'd be so bad that they'd be like, well, she's not a trader. Right. A trader would The only other person like that this. comes to mind that could be interesting is Raven, but I feel like Raven would See, be that's an too interesting obvious. faithful. That's too obvious. Yeah. Raven would be a great faithful. What about Sherry Shepard as a trader? Are we, how hypothetical are, are we getting here? Like, is Barbara in contention or we're saying only living? So Barbara, Barbara, Barbara cannot play. She's incapacitated. Okay, she, fair. No, I'm, it's too soon to make the, the mission joke about the buried alive. No, so. <laughs> I hate that mission. <laughs> well, I feel like, I feel like the buried alive was more effective in because it wasn't played in episode two in the UK, it was played Don't more in the middle. Okay, yeah. I feel like it was not a great challenge to do so early on because it's just not a very. There's not a lot to it in the sense of like what you're watching from the viewer perspective. Yeah, I don't think it's a good challenge. Period. I will say, um, I feel like the back half of the traders' challenges like really stepped up from the fir- the first half. Maybe. I feel like if we could get whoever designed the challenges from the mole over to the traders, yeah. we could really be onto something. Also, can we get the sleeping quarters in the castle, please? Oh, this is very this is a very interesting question because as you'll have noticed, in the US version of the show, they're very much trying to make us believe that the contestants are sleeping in the castle. Where in the UK, they were very clear that they're being driven away from the castle, and they specifically say to their lodgings. Right. So some B&B nearby. And that makes perfect sense to me because you can't have your room next to Sari and you hear the door creaking and the floor creaking as Sari's sneaking out at night. You can't have that, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's too... That's too much. So they've got to be keeping them separate. However, that castle is very big. As Michael said, like 32 of his houses could fit in there. So uh, maybe they could separate them. I just don't know. Like, are we to believe that the U.S. cast is sleeping in the castle? I just feel like if the U.S. filmed first, well, the argument that they are sleeping in the castle would be they had them sleep in the castle for the first season. Something didn't work out. Didn't work out. And so for the second season, they didn't. Yeah. do I'm trying to think, because like right now I have Aaron who can sort of be, answer some of our UK questions. I'm trying, I mean, I do, I know Brandy a little bit. We'll, we'll circle back on this. We'll see if we can try and get some intel. We would love to do some traders interviews. I mean, I could probably get us Brandy. But can I feel like it has- to <laughs> She doesn't respond. Or Stephanie. I'm blocked. <laughs> Remember? I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I completely forgot you're blocked by Stephanie LaGrosa. It has to be like the most prominent person that's blocked me because I feel like I'm not very like someone that gets blocked a lot. Oh my God. I know. It's like Kim Cattrall, Stephanie LaGrosa. Oh, right. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Cattrall. Wait. Actually, not for nothing, Kim Cattrall would be a great host for the trainers. Mm. 
I feel like she could do that same thing that Alan Cummings doing, which is like that commitment to sort of like acting, but being yourself. Just saying. If they do, so like she's when Welsh, I post, right? What, Kim Cattrall? She's Canadian. Yeah. She's Canadian? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So then she could host the Canadian version. Absolutely she could. Kim Cattrall is, oh my God, she's Canadian? Uh-huh. So then what is her accent? Oh, but she was born in, in the UK. Was she? Yeah. Because she's British. Like her, her accent. Don't ask me. So when I share a Stephanie LaGrosa photo into our story, surely you can see that. You just can't click through to her profile. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm not what are we thrilled. What do about that? I, I mean, if I had it my way, we would do like, we'd, I feel like there's a world in which we get her on the pod, but she doesn't connect the dots. And then I confront her. I mean, there's no way she has a clue who you are. No, not a clue. It's so weird. I know dark so what you want to get her on the podcast and confront her i need to see more of her journey on the show because like i do not have high hopes for her like in terms of like her time on this show but Mm. i will say i was very intrigued watching her at breakfast with brandy because they're just such different energies that are never meant to be in a room together for so many reasons like and they were really close at breakfast but also it's like Brandy. So Real Housewives of Beverly Hills premiered in 2011, I believe. And Brandy joined the cast in 2012. Stephanie's like exiting the Survivor verse in 2010 unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. And so it's just sort of like they represent different times in reality, but both of which are sort of bygone. And then it's like, they're also just the worlds that they come from. It's like Stephanie is like, competition warrior like show no emotion like tough it and then brandy's like the antithesis anyway going back to the beginning i did just want to mention part of what sort of set me off to the fact that this show the u.s will not be able to live up to the uk was in the for people that haven't seen the UK version, the show starts off where the 20 contestants are tasked, they get out of the cars right outside the castle, and Claudia says to them, immediately, I want you all to line up in the order on the left side who you think is going to win, and on the right side who you think is going to lose from most likely to least likely. And it is up to the 20 of them having uttered barely a few words to one another to make that decision. So they finally get in this line. The decision's pretty arbitrary. And then Claudia says to the two people that were deemed least likely to win, she says, you are eliminated from the game. If you have, if you believe that you have no likelihood of winning, then you don't deserve to be here. And they get in their car, and they leave the game. It's like the, it's such an early beat that distinguishes this show from any other show. I mean, my jaw was on the floor. I think it was like five or 10 minutes in. And the US version did not do that. And that was the first sort of like bat signal to me that I was like, okay, they're gonna make, they're gonna play it a little bit more safe in the US version. Well, you know why they had to do that? It's because they didn't want to trigger Stephanie LaGrosa's PTSD from Survivor Palau. Makes sense. <laughs> so Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I will just say, though, like, the, and this is very much like a, a, 
a me thing, but that I advise listener, like any listener to our podcast, because Sean, you've already experienced so many of my voicemails, voice memos about this, about the UK version being like, this thing doesn't make sense at all. Or like, there's no strategy to this. Or like, why did this happen? And I think that I've like, yes, this show doesn't make sense. The rules do not make sense. There is no strategy, like blah, blah, blah. And I still fucking love it and don't care. And I feel like you kind of have to have that lens on the show of like, if you try too hard to make sense of it, um, it, it's just a, it's a path with no, wait, it's a destination with no path. It's a path with no destination. A path with no destination. But a destination with no path is not dissimilar. That's true. Anyway, but it's a thankless task, essentially. So I think that the way I choose to view the show and I advise others as well is just to sort of like when you don't understand something, lean into it. Um, And, you know, hopefully Sophie Ellis Baxter's Murder on the Dance Floor, you know, starts playing in your head and everything's okay. Absolutely. I think that Kate actually summed this whole concept up really nicely at the end of episode two, because she said, life isn't fair and the traitors isn't fair. And I think that that's true. The traitors isn't a fair game. It's absolutely not a fair game. It makes no sense. And that's because (laughs) it's pretty much just a hugely social game in so many ways. But basically like if you can like get people to like, like turn their eye at someone and like all of a sudden out of nowhere, you can just sort of like someone can do something as simple as like you were chewing your gum earlier. And then I noticed you spit it out. And then somebody else will be like, I saw that too. And then a third person will be like, and then this morning she didn't have any gum at breakfast. And then they'll be like, she's a traitor. (laughs) Yeah. And it will work. And I feel like the way you get to the end of this show is like, the dumber you are, the better yeah. y- you are at this game. And it's just like, it shut up for Aaron. and be dumb. Yeah. Shut up and be dumb. Yeah. Mal? Yeah. It's kind of like the sequel to the Dixie Chicks documentary, Shut Up and Sing. It's just shut up and be dumb. Shut up and be dumb. You know. So anyway, we'll see how Get that Natalie plays Maines on the trailer, on the traitors. Okay. okay. <laughs> She's been called a traitor once or twice. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, something else that came out of the choosing of the traders was that everybody, uh, this is is a really key moment in the game of the traders because so much of how people base their votes is like, you changed after this point you there you were one way before we went into the round table where the traders were chosen, and you were another way afterwards. And there was a lot of talk about this after. And these are my favorite scenes is the sort of in-between scenes where they're just killing time in the castle between tasks. And uh, there's some really great stuff here that I feel like I feel like I'm even missing stuff, but the stuff I pick up on is really great here, where especially from Rachel Riley, where she is immediately like, Cody is a traitor. She's like, I know Cody. I've drank with Cody. I know his family. I know Cody is a traitor. And in her next breath, she is telling somebody, I know Stephanie's not a traitor because Stephanie is a terrible liar. And of course, we know the only reason that Rachel Riley knows that Stephanie is a terrible liar is because Rachel, Stephanie, and Sari just came out of filming snake in the grass uh before heading out to this Scottish uh, castle. you're forgetting a very important person well i know but she's not in the house Janelle's no 
Not Janelle. Sorry, who did I say? You're forgetting Bobby Bones. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby Bones should be on the traders. Um, (laughs) No, he shouldn't. Uh, So I really loved this because, of course, it's not acknowledged. It actually, a spoiler alert, it's never acknowledged that Sari, Rachel, and Stephanie all played a reality show together prior to filming this. And I feel like it is kind of important because this moment that, that Rachel says, because the way that Snake and the Grass played out, which if you haven't seen it, is that, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Stephanie was the snake. So she was the mole of that show. Her job was to sabotage uh, challenges and hide her identity. She did a terrible job at it, and it was thrilling to watch. And uh, so I was so excited for them all to be back here, but it's like immediately they know Stephanie is not a traitor. I mean, it doesn't matter to Sari because she knows she actually is a traitor, but it's very interesting to think like, how is this going to play out that now it's a different dynamic where the three of them are back together. A different one of them is playing double agent. And how is that going to play out moving forward? Because uh, how well did they get to know each other? I mean, clearly Rachel learned enough about Stephanie to immediately know she's not a traitor this time. Um, But, uh, you know, is Stephanie going to look at Rachel suspiciously for any reason? Like it could be anything that could tip someone off or are they just going to be immediately bonded? Uh, Is, are they going to become suspicious of Sari or is Sari going to be able to sort of like play that uh that sort of like friendship and bond that they had uh, throughout and hide her identity as the traitor i feel like that is a really interesting unspoken part of this season i agree i agree i think that i would crave more of that i feel like the idea that people know each other from past shows and have some impression of them whether correct or not i feel like that was one of the fun things um especially in watching Heroes versus Villains, was sort of like some people had played the game together before, some people knew each other socially, some people had pre-gamed before. And although some people probably didn't like that aspect of it, I do think that it's it's kind of not necessarily an advantage because it can also be a disadvantage because you can be barking up the wrong tree really fervently without realizing that there's no there there. And also, like, although I think it was very savvy what... Uh, what Sari? Wait, wait. Who said it about Stephanie? It was uh, Rachel said it about Rachel Stephanie, said right? it about right. Stephanie, Although yeah. that's very savvy. Like at the end of the day, like Stephanie could have been the traitor, and like Rachel could be wrong. Like they just played a twenty-four hour. Like they've known each other for a twenty-four hour game in which it was a unique circumstance. So it's not necessarily like her insight is, you know, v- valid. And and also this is the thing about the traitors too, where it's like. Even if you do know someone as the traitor with 100% certainty, especially in the early part of the game, you need to rally a ton of people to agree with you. So it's not really, again, entirely social game. You could figure out who all three traitors were. And if you can't get anyone, it's kind of what happened with Maddie with Wilf, where it's like Maddie knew Wilf was a traitor. I mean, actually really was just guessing she felt very strong yeah but she felt strongly for no real reason but it worked um (laughs) but like batty was unable to convince anyone to get behind the vote and so it didn't matter exactly yeah uh do you think that this is unfair to the 
normies that are playing that some of these people have pre-existing relationships and they just kind of have to take their word for it? It depends because in some senses, it's like, look at what's happening in the first episode with Reza being sent home where it's like the traitors had it in their mind that there was some kind of an alliance with Kate and Brandy and Reza, this like Bravo alliance, which by the way, no idea why Kyle, Kyle Cook is not being included in that. Um, I'm imagining that maybe this Do you know that I went through this whole season, and this is not saying anything about Kyle's placement whatsoever, but I went through this entire season <laughs> not realizing that Kyle wasn't a normie. I oh, found out funny. today. I found out today. Okay. I mean, I don't know Anyways. who he is. Is he? Is that show Bravo? Yeah. Okay. I think he's Summer House. Is that right? Summer House. That's right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So him and Kate, I guess, don't even know each other because right. she's. I mean, unless deck. like, I mean, are there is the, are are there Bravo parties that people? Yeah, there's Bravo like Bravo Con. Con and whatnot. But like, what's interesting is it's like in the case of Cody and Rachel, they've played the same game, albeit not together. In the case of Sari and Stephanie, they've played the same game and together, albeit Stephanie was barely there. But then in the case of all the Bravo people, it's like they're all on different shows. And then even funnier is that Brandy and Reza are not actively on any shows Mm. currently. I mean, well, if the rumors are to be believed about Brandy, that's not going to be true for long. But they're both sort of like ex-Bravo stars in theory. But then like Brandy's kind of like a Peacock star because she was on Ultimate Girls Trip 2 it's all very confusing. Again, it's like, mm. who the fuck assembled this hodgepodge <laughs> cast? Because the other thing, too, yeah. I'm so excited to have Rachel Riley here, and I'm very curious what's going to happen with Rachel. But, like, Rachel's sort of an example of someone who, like, I believe is only as iconic as the people that are in the room with her. She alone mm. is not iconic. And, like, I'm nervous that, like, Rachel's not going to be able to deliver unless she has proper adversaries which maybe will emerge um but i am curious for rachel's journey who would you love for rachel to be an adversary towards well that's a hard question because i don't really i don't mean i don't know any of the newbies besides i'm not saying that's gonna happen or not i'm just yeah if i had it my way not brandy oh i already know actually because i saw the twitter clips because people were posting a thing about her and Kate at the breakfast, like reading each other, but like mm. they were both bad reads. Um, I am curious too, like as we move forward, like I just, there are so many like small tent poles within the show that I love. One of which is like the breakfast hugs. Um, I just really love this idea that it's like everyone's sort of, like, I don't know. And it felt really genuine in the UK. And I'm curious how that will play out with this US version where it's like, I don't know, just the thought of like, getting to hug Andrea every morning. If I were a player in this game, that would be just like a huge, like, you know, kickstart to my day. And I'm just curious if that's like going to be, and even just thinking like, are like, are people going to be playing badminton like in the back? Like, you know, I'm just curious how like, and I have, and also for some reason with the UK, it's like when they would all be like sitting around talking, which by the way, they, they very seldom eat on the traders UK. By the end of the show, there were more meals. But besides breakfast, when they would sit around, it would mostly just be wine. There was very little food. Hmm. I'm curious, like, with the UK version, it always felt very organic when they were just, like, kind of, like, sitting around and hanging out at the house, even though that, like, wasn't their house. I'm In this first two episodes I watched of US, 
especially in that scene where it was like all newbies and then Rachel Riley outside in the front, I was like, this feels very like we're going to do a scene. And so I'm just curious, like, again, at what point the show will sort of like relax into itself Mm. a bit more. Mm. Well, you know, I guess you can say having watched it, do you remember the episode at which you thought like it kind of found its steam? Oh, uh, not off the top of my head, but I would say it's like the midway point where where I think in the UK it was four. I think it was that breakfast blow up at four when they reveal the relationship and all of that. I feel like that's where UK really, really took off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that in the US, I would say it's like one or two episodes after that. Like it might be five or six, which is, which is a little bit of a detriment because US has 10 episodes to work with, UK had 12. So UK hit its stride earlier and had longer to be in that stride. Um, but when US does, I'm going to say like five-ish. I'm going to say five-ish. Um, so you kind of have like a first half and a second half. Um, but it, it certainly builds to that stride. It's not like it's like totally dead in the water and then it turns on its heel. Um, it's certainly building towards that. But once it does, uh, like I was fully, fully in. With US. With US, yeah. So, okay, um, let me ask you I this. would say that though, I would say though that um, I don't feel like they ever really like settle into the house in the way they did in the UK. Okay, so yeah. give me your, on a scale of one to 100, rate the Traders UK season one. Uh, 95. And on a scale of 1 to 100, rate The Traders U.S. Season 1. 80? Okay. Ish. Okay, wait, I want to play one more round. Um, okay. On a scale of 1 to 100, rate Survivor Season... <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 100, rate Survivor Season 40. 54. Okay. Ask me one. Okay. <laughs> On a scale of one. I have to just say, I haven't laughed in weeks, and so it just feels so good. <laughs> it's like, how far were you going to push me before I finally gave in and played this game? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> on a scale of one to a hundred, rate the challenge USA. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, 74. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like first half, much higher. And, you know, mm-hmm. we really, mm-hmm. you know, thinking back upon the Challenge USA finale, like what the fucking Really fuck? bad, really bad TV. <laughs> On a scale of one to a hundred, rate The White Lotus season two. 98. On a scale of one to a hundred, rate Buffy season six. 86. On a scale of one to a hundred. <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> Rate Survivor Africa. Oh, wow. Okay, wait, can I just say, I feel like this is the season that you and I are like the least, it's like the most out of our heads. Is that fair to say? Yep. Uh, well, no, I would say that's Heroes versus Hustlers versus Healers, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ish. Oh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, uh. uh. I ask because we have significant reason to revisit this season. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to give it a 72. Okay. But I, I, I'm optimistic that it will go up upon rewatch. 
Yeah, because I, I think feel like there are probably some small, and be optimistic that it'll go up. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be some small character moments that like aren't yes, top of 100%. mind that we're that you and I are going to really connect with. On a scale of one to one hundred, oh, this is a good one. On a scale of one to one hundred, rate season one of The Mole on Netflix. I would rate it seventy five. Okay. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, but there were a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah. Okay, back to the traitors. Whew. Uh, we don't really need to talk about the mission. I, I, I think well, I think there will be plenty of time to talk about the missions. In these two episodes, we had our missions. Uh, one was the Wicker Man lighting up the beasts, which uh, is just so don't love that mission. And I bad. really dislike the the buried alive mission. Yeah, too. And then also, I was surprised that I didn't remember that there was no round table in the first episode. Which I think is so odd because, again, it's like the first episode, speaking of world building, wouldn't you kind of want... Because one of my favorite things about The Traitors is that it's so unique in its pacing in that you have this elimination at the end of every episode, and then you have the... Excuse me, you have the banishment at the end of each episode, and then you have the murder at the beginning... And so you kind of have these like two really important beats that bookend each episode. And so to not establish that format in episode one, I thought was so strange. So we learn who the traitors are at the end of the first episode. Um, well, they learn who each other are. Yes. So, we find out pretty early. Yeah. Correct. Correct. They learn who each other are. Then we find out that Rez is gone at the top of episode two. And then we have yeah. the banishment at the end of episode two. But... Again, that's that. So we're not into our flow until episode two, and again, too, it's like who went home? What's her name? Grisabella, Geraldine. <laughs> Geraldine. I know that because of Rachel Riley's spelling. Um, again, yeah, it's Geraldine, sort of like Dean. Yeah, you know, but this happens with Survivor too, where it's like those first couple eliminations. Grisabella. It's sort of like who are these people? At the same mm-hmm. time, it's sort of like here's the question that I think we all have to ask ourselves, where it's like. Do you want more screen time of the early boots to like so that you know them a la Survivor season, like the the current seasons? Or is it kind of like, you know what, it's fine that we spend little time with these people because they're ultimately inconsequential to the story. So let's just sort of like send them off quietly. I'm of the mindset where like let them go quietly unless they really warrant the big story. But yeah, I have no idea. Not only do I have no idea who Geraldine is, I have no idea why they voted against her. But again, going back to what I said earlier, trying to find logic in that is like, is a path without a... But well, they actually did have logic. And I thought it was like quite interesting how it played out upon rewatch, because I, of course, had to rewatch this. But it's that at at breakfast, Reza, Reza is not at breakfast. And then there is a flashback to the previous episode's mission where Reza's yelling... Uh, at his team to, you know, you're not tying the knots the right way. And Michael's getting frustrated with him. And Grisabella picked up on that and was like, wait a second, Reza's not here. And the only person who had a problem with Reza was Michael. And so therefore, Michael might have murdered Reza because he didn't like him, which is like a very sort of elementary way to look at the motives of who to murder um, but it, it is logic, right? You need something to go on. We, we hear so often in this game, like, all I can go on is the evidence I have, right? And here's some evidence. Reza's gone. Someone had a problem with Reza. That person was Michael. So Grisabella said that at breakfast, and then that started to spread. It got back to Michael, and Michael was like, oh, my God. So Geraldine's like, now, 
just spreading rumors that I'm a traitor because I had this problem with Reza one time. Mm. And so he went on the warpath. And I think it's interesting. I think Michael's little like arc in this episode is really interesting because it's like he sort of goes really hard. And in episode one, he tells us he's a huge reality TV fan. He's like, if I had a phone, I would take a selfie with Sari right now because I can't believe I'm in a car with Sari, which like I relate to that. And uh, not that I've been in a car, but like I would be like that in a car with Sari. But I feel like he went in being like, I'm ready to play Survivor. And so he was like rallying votes. He was he was trying to gather votes through the challenge. Like he even said to Kate, if you don't vote to banish Geraldine, I'm going to vote to banish you next time. He's giving people ultimatums mm-hmm. and it's rubbing everyone the wrong way. But like ultimately it works because not only is he putting Geraldine's name into people's heads, but Christian picks up on that. And as a trader, Christian like kind of goes, a name's been thrown out, like I'm gonna run with it. And so you've got two people throwing this name out there. And then at the round table, it kind of blows up in Michael's face, but ultimately he survives sort of like by the skin of his teeth and Gerald Dean, as Rachel spelled it, uh, is sent home. But that is why she's sent home is because of this like throwaway comment she made trying to guess who the trader might be. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and that's episode two. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> um, wait, so one question I had with your perspective having seen the show, of uh-huh. Rachel Riley, Stephanie LaGrosa, and Suri Fields, who is going to deliver the most from the Traders U.S.? On TV, you mean? Mm-hmm. You want to hear the answer to that? I asked the question. Okay. <laughs> I would say Rachel Riley. Okay. Because I feel, again, having only watched two episodes, I, and I think I kind of already hinted at this, if not said it outright, it's just like, I'm just not sure Suri is iconic out of Survivor in a way that, like, when I think about Rob or Parvati or Sandra, I'm like, I'd want to see them in so many other contexts. And it's like, Suri is, I think what we love about Suri is Suri on Survivor. Let me stop you there. Okay. <laughs> because just because I picked Rachel doesn't mean that the other two are not going to deliver. Okay. I'm just saying of the three icons that you have forced me to choose from, okay. I'm choosing Rachel. Okay. But there is an argument to be made, I would say, for all three of them. Oh, okay. I think you could get three different answers out of three different people. Okay. So I wouldn't be too concerned. Yeah, about no. The iconography and maybe I'm being maybe up. I'm just being tough on Suri just because I didn't love what I got from these first two episodes. Because it's yeah. like, and maybe I need the refresher of like, I absolutely love Suri. Obviously, I'm an American. Um, the other thing about Suri that like I think people forget this about Suri, and I'm not saying that you forget this, but I think people forget this that. We love Suri as a character, right? We love Suri catching the fish and dragging it back to camp. We love Suri being afraid of leaves, but kind of overcoming that. Yeah, she's pulled off big, like big moves, but they're quite quiet. So, like the the move of Eric giving up immunity, and then the Black Widow Brigade voting him out. That's often attributed to Parvati. It's often attributed to Amanda. It's often attributed to Natalie because she's the one that actually gets the necklace. That move is Suri's move. 
but it's not like really tightly associated with Suri. It was Suri's idea and she helps to pull it off in a big way. And so I think that like Suri's iconography in terms of like strategic gameplay gets downplayed sometimes i'm not saying you're downplaying it but it's like it's not as flashy totally as, totally uh, like but a poverty yeah but i'm talking about like reality television and mm. i'm saying that's like i think about sandra for instance with like burning russell's hat as like a great example yeah. of the fact that like again it's like who's or even thinking about it, it's like what's the most famous uh, moment from survivor borneo sue's speech it's like these yeah. it's like the moment and i just don't think Suri delivers those same kind of moments which is not to say she won't be good at the traders or that i don't love her or that she's not good it's just that it's different than someone like a brandy who is yeah. make who knows how to make good television i think Suri's strength is in narration and I think we see that on Survivor. I think that's where she stands out is as a narrator in her confessionals. And I think you'll find that she stands out in the traders as a confessionalist. I look forward to it. And I think Stephanie stands out both in confessionals and on screen. I mean, as we've seen. It's crazy that she's not back on Survivor. I know. But I'm glad to have her back. We've got her in two shows. Yeah, no, it's and she's great. Icon- she is still iconic. She looks incredible. She, looks she so has good. aged beautifully. So does Suri. I mean, like, literally. So does I mean, it's crazy. You you forget how much time has passed. You know who also looks good? As a side note, they're doing a Power Rangers reunion right now for Netflix, which Kimberly, uh, excuse me, uh, Amy Jo Johnson, who played Kimberly, mm-hmm. is not participating in, which should indicate something. She's not? She's not. Um, although, well, sadly. Are most of them dead? Two of them are dead, which is which is a lot. Um, but well, two are dead and one's not participating. So what are there three? So there are two of the original. It's Billy and Zach, and then they have other Rangers from different eras of the show. Oh, okay. But I bring that up because I wasn't a big fan of the other eras. Zach, who was the Black Ranger, mm-hmm. um, he looks exact. It's a, the thirty-year reunion, if you can believe, from the original Power Rangers. Um, yeah, I can believe it. Yeah, I guess I can believe it. Well, you'll believe it once you see Billy's face <laughs> or the actor that plays Billy because 30 years have definitely passed on that face. But Zach, the actor that plays Zach, he looks literally the same. It's crazy. Wow. Anyway, um, but yes, I agree with you. Okay. Stephanie looks great. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that we touched on before we say Anara? So after the roundtable, the... Traders get together. We don't see who they murder, of course. All we see is that Cody is relaying the information to Suri and to Christian that Brandy has named both of them as potential traders. And so this is, yes, that happens. And this is a huge question I have. Again, trying to find logic where there is none. Why do you want, and this is rhetorical, but Sean, I mean, feel free to, but like, why do you want the other traders to survive the game? It feels like if you were to sort of, A, if you are the only trader at the end, you get all of the money. So you're literally like, in a sense, you are, you know, by by all going, you, you know, you, smaller reward, quite obviously. But I also just feel like the less traders, the easier it is to maneuver through the game. So it's like, I guess it's just, I have a hard time understanding strategically. Yes and I know and no. you're, uh, I think there's arguments both ways. 
Don't both sides this. You know? But I'm just saying, it's like, it's confu- <laughs> It's like for instance, if I were Cody no. and I knew that people were throwing out both of their names, I would keep that information and hold on to it as something useful down the line versus offering that up. It's like, in any game like this, knowledge is power. Why, why give away that knowledge? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there is... A logic. I think it's all about timing, and I'm not sure that anybody has like quite figured out exactly what the best timing is in terms of like when would a trader turn on another trader? Because at some point you would imagine that that would be beneficial because you stand to earn more money if you're there in the end. But in order to get to the end, I do think you have to lean on your fellow traders to some extent. Just in the same way that like, let's look at this from Christian and Ceri's perspective. Cody is their fellow trader. Yeah, they could go for him. They have lots of reasons to go for him. He's like a game bot. He's won one of these games before. Like he he could be threatening. He's got friends in the house. Um, there are reasons to target Cody, but not this early because look, he's bringing back information. And I think there's this like reciprocal information sharing that the traders have some fraternity with one another that they can like, they're in this together. It probably is nice to have somebody in this with you because I imagine that the burden of like having to keep this secret is really tough 24 hours a day. So you would day. think though that there comes a point then in the game when it's like that's, that's what, what happens. But also I don't totally agree with you because in the case of like Wilf, like he had enough information with his alliances with Merrill and Hannah um, he didn't really need anyone else. He was able, you know, he had such a good social game going that it superseded any sort of like sharing of information. So I, I, I but I mean, like we saw how that played out. Yeah. I guess it's just like, I think the part of it that was always confusing with UK was that it'd be one thing if like the whole point of the game was when to figure out when to take out your fellow traders. But like that was never discussed. Like someone like Amanda, for instance, was like, I'm fully content going to the end, as far as we know, with both Wilf and whatever the other girl's name was. Alyssa. Alyssa. Like, as far as we know, Amanda's intention was to go to the end with them. And I'm sorry, there's a big difference between 33% and 100% of some. Of, of yeah. Some. And, and I think that, like, somebody like Wilf taking out Alyssa at that early juncture in the game, like, that was very smart. And I think that moving forward, what I find really interesting about these first seasons is that the people are figuring out how to play these games. Yes. I think there is still, like, the strategy is evolving in real time. I think season two, season twos of these franchises are going to be wild to watch because I can't imagine how the strategy is going to evolve and is it just going to be traders going after they traders. They need to do half of the cast of Traders UK with half of the cast of Traders US, assuming that there's icons within the Traders US cast. Like the idea of not seeing Meryl and Hannah and Andrea and Faye and Amanda and Aaron, like these are people- And Maddie. Hello. Oh my God, I'm so, so disrespectful. And Maddie, yes, of course Maddie, my favorite player on the UK. Yeah, I mean, yeah. My favorite homeless woman on EastEnders. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. <laughs> she really is. Um, no, like we we absolutely need these people back. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are going to have most of the cast back for episode three. We'll be back to recaps, recap episodes three and four as we make our way through the Traders US. Very excited for that. Stay tuned. We also have a very exciting interview with a Survivor alum coming uh, sometime next week, I hope. And of course, 
Australian Survivor is right around the corner. Ricard will be back to join me in recapping Australian Survivor Heroes vs. Villains, which starts on January 30th. So we will be back first week of February to recap the first week of that. So subscribe so you don't miss it. Go check out the Patreon. We are going to finish our Borneo rewatch soon. Very soon. Listen, uh, life yes. has happened for some of us. <laughs> life happens. We needed a little bit of a beat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that will be happening over on the Patreon. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.